I have personally watched a few of our very, very big clients be censored. We had a client be completely shut down from one of their marketing systems 12 hours before their Netflix premiere. So it has become a bigger issue. And I think the biggest challenge that comes alongside of that is educating and helping people understand the shift in mindsets. And it's not about the list size. Hey, it's Bobby, and you are listening to The Expert's Roadmap, where we uncover insights gained along the journey to online business success. Our mission is for you to leave each episode better equipped to avoid mistakes and make wiser decisions on your own journey to growing your business to new heights. In today's episode, I'm joined by Amber Miller, founder and CEO of smart to finish In our conversation, Amber shares her perspective as an implementation partner for some of the biggest names in the industry. We explore what's working now in marketing, how her recommendations have changed, and why you should be focused on email deliverability. Let's dive in. Tell the listeners a little bit about you and what your company does. I run a company called smart to finish and we help online entrepreneurs with everything from their launch support to their tech implementation. So we're the back-end support for launches and marketing. What is the overall journey that customers take with you from never hearing about you to becoming raving fans and lifelong business partners? Well, for us, we're lucky enough to get a lot of referrals. We're very relationship, long-term based. Gosh, I've had my longest standing client that I still work with today started with me in 06. So we're very long-term oriented. We like to come in. We like to be a part of what they're doing, grow with them, be a real actual part of what their overall mission is. So typically, a lot of them will start with, well, let's handle this part of the business or let's just have you focus on the email marketing. And then they start seeing everything that we can do. And then they start feeling like, oh, this is great. Can you take this part of the business? So we work them through more or less the experience and just having somebody to actually support them and them not having to figure these things out at three in the morning, right? For sure. So it sounds like you do a ton for clients. How has your recommendations and strategic approach with them changed over the years? Well, and it goes along with technology. So when I first started, it was one shopping cart. That was the great big thing. So it was making sure I was well-versed in that. And then Dan Kennedy did a big talk back in, I don't know, 08 with Infusionsoft's Keep and was like, everybody needs to go buy this. So all my clients came to me and said, Dan Kennedy says we need to go move to this system. So it's changing with the patterns of what's hot at the moment. We feel like in our space, we have to stay up on what is everybody using? How do you use it? And I get asked, I'm sure you do too, Bobby, like, what do you recommend? I get that all the time. What do you recommend I use? And it's really always going to be, what are your long-term goals? Because I don't want to go set somebody up and in six months, they've outgrown the system. I'm always going, okay, well, what are your plans in six months to a year? Maybe you don't need to invest now, but what's it going to cost for us to move you off of that platform? So I'm always thinking one step ahead of them on move your entire marketing funnel to something else that will then support your growth costs way more in the long run. I have a client, no names will be named, but they got into this loop for a year or two where they were switching every three to six months. You know, shiny objects here. The, oh, this has this feature over here. And I was like, wow, like it's saving you a little bit of money, but what it's costing you in just time that could be better spent on your zone of genius. Totally. And to bring to that point, we have clients and it cracks me up because they will be using three different systems 
maybe using Zapier to connect them because they don't want to upgrade for another $12 a month. And I'm like, all right, so you have now added the cost for us to build this integration. The chance of one of these three breaking down at some point and then figuring out where is the break, let's just upgrade, you know? So sometimes I think we get stuck in, I don't want to pay more, but what does it cost you to not upgrade your system? What have been some of the significant challenges that you've faced getting better results for your clients? This last year, I have been focusing really heavily around email deliverability. I have personally watched a few of our very, very big clients be censored. We had a client be completely shut down from one of their marketing systems 12 hours before their Netflix premiere. So it has become a bigger issue. And I think the biggest challenge that comes alongside of that is educating and helping people understand the shift in mindset. And it's not about the list size. We're so taught, grow your list, grow your list. It's all about the list. But the thing is, if they're not engaging and if they're not opening, you're actually hurting. I could get real technical here, but they're hurting their domain. They're hurting their sending reputation because they're sending emails to folks who aren't opening. And that actually hurts their reputation. So when we actually look at how many people are engaging with you in the last 30 to 90 days, it's a sticker shock. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, no, I can't do that. Like that's a big part of my list gone, but that's the way we're going. I think that that is going to be the way we're going to need to be showing up at inboxes because right now the biggest issue is actually deliverability is getting the emails to show up in the inbox and not spam or quarantine. It's a big deal. I came up in the launch world and it was like, I have a 100,000 list. I have a 200,000. Like, that was the big thing. And I've seen that too, where just because you have all these people doesn't mean they're paying attention to you. I would love any tips you'd be comfortable giving about increasing deliverability, what to look for there. A big part of it is subject line, learning what your list is responding to, because the key is to get them, first of all, to open, ideally to click. But our first goal is to keep them engaged. So it's really looking at your email stats. So we're constantly reviewing what got opened. Oh, it was having the word gift. So for your year of miracles, our audience responds to the word gift in the subject line. So it's looking at the behaviors of your audience. It's seeing how you can bring more of that in. Also, the content, not having too long of email. We, we were taught the longer, the better. And now it's short to the point and keeping our links to two or three at the most in an email. Otherwise, especially Yahoo and Outlet will put you in spam if you have too many hyperlinks. And then images, careful with the images. Those also can put us in spam if we have too many in the size of them, two to three images tops. And that can make a big difference. And create test accounts and actually test and see where they're landing. We found that just by not holding as much, we would show up in the inbox. It's really a lot of trial and error and playing around and see for yourself, where are you landing? Don't just rely on Gmail or don't just rely on Outlook test different platforms with your emails. Because you've been with some high level partners and you work with some big names. What is that conversation like when they have that hesitancy of, I have this huge email list. How do you coach them through seeing the value of smaller, more focused, better engagement is ultimately better? And I'm not going to lie, Bobby, it's tough. I'm thinking back to two of my big clients. I'm not going to say it's an easy conversation. What typically works for me is I don't expect them to right away be like, oh, you're right. That makes sense. So what I typically try to do is show them there's something about the data. There's something about actually see. Oh, so what I do is I say, give me a month. Let me show you what I mean. Let's try sending to just this group and let me show you what I'm wanting to do. And they're like, 
oh, I see. When we start having higher open rates, things start landing in the inbox instead of going to spam. So I think sometimes they have to see it to believe it and it's all in the data. But it is. We're programmed to think that we need to send you to this full lift and we have to do it this way because that's how we've always done it. And the landscape's shifting for sure. Just a quick little cheat that we do, especially for those who are anxious about, oh my gosh, I've got 100,000 clients now that we're not mailing to. So what we've done is we've exported them and we've sent them through another sending. So let's say you're on Keeper, Infusionsoft, or Entreport, we would export those who were older than 90 days, import them into something like an active campaign, and we would send one email to a lead magnet to get them back into being active. So I'm not saying go delete all those people. We're never going to talk to them again. We use them for retargeting. We send them to our ads. So there's still things you can do with them, but in your normal everyday campaign and your funnels and your sending, it's best to exclude them. We've had about a 10% conversion on getting unengaged people back engaged by doing that. One other tip, don't use the same domain. So if you set up a separate campaign like Active Campaign, have another email account like at a .NET. Because again, we're trying to build your domain reputation. So if you go and send and you use your same from email, your info ad at .com, and now you're sending to unengaged, you're hurting your score going back down. So use a different email for sending for those people. This is really good, especially these days when email is more important than ever and getting it right is super important. Are there any specific tactics, strategies, approaches that you found are working really well right now? Good question. You know, it's kind of the oldie but goodie, but we're finding card abandonment. Like with the last two launches, we have found that by sending an email within 30 minutes to an hour of visiting the sales page and not buying, we have done pretty well on bringing in more sales. Also, something I have been testing this last month, and it has upped sales about, I think, 15% one of our clients. Going back to a very, very simple order form, because again, the shift the last few years was putting testimonials and all this copy on the order form. That's not working. So it used to work. Again, it's one of those things that used to be really popular. You'd have the sidebar on your order form, social proof, recap, and a couple of testimonials. We're actually finding that we're having more card abandonment using those full-on order forms and instead simple, bare-bone name, email, put in your credit card, buy. That has upped our conversion immensely with one of our clients who was really struggling with people getting to the cart and closing. Again, I think it just goes back to attention span. We're so busy and just confused. Like you already decided you want to buy at this point. So there's really no point in trying to resell me. I'm on your order form. Let me just put in my credit card and check out as easy as I can. Do you still include trust markers like a guarantee symbol? Yes, we still put that in the footer, but we've taken out the image. It's just simple white, like a gray background, the required fields, and that's it. And it's increased pretty significantly, I would say 15%. That's so interesting. But you just don't know unless you try. I always tell people, don't be afraid to try it. You can always go back, but give it a good week or two to really, to really see right now. It's just trying different things and see what people are responding to. And just because we've done it for the last three years doesn't mean that's still the best way to do it. With the cart abandonment, I'm very interested in that with the 30 to 60 minute email. What is the email like? Is it super short? Is there anything specific that you like to say in that? Lots of times when I bring in the client or marketing, they want to add more bullets, but it's more or less like, hey, I just want to make sure that you didn't have any other questions. Here's a recap. So it's more of like a recap, not too long, but definitely bullets saying, okay, 
just a reminder, this is going to end. You're going to miss out the FOMO, right? The fear, you're going to miss out. It's not super short and it's not super long, but it definitely has a recap of what they're going to get. Thank you for that tip. I'm definitely going to use that right away. That's awesome. I was on a webinar yesterday where they were talking about how things have shifted and he was talking about low ticket funnels and things like that. What kind of shifts in the market across your clients have you seen in the last year or two? Going back to like you run a webinar, right? So people still ask me to webinars work. 100% webinars still work, but short webinars. So it used to be 60 to 90 minutes. We're now saying, hey, keep your webinars 30 to 40 minutes. We've been trying to monitor drop rates. So that's something I would always recommend. Again, I'm a numbers data gal. The numbers don't lie, right? We keep a very clear spreadsheet of 5, 10, 20 minutes. How are the numbers? So we're constantly monitoring how long are people staying. Typically, we have found people start dropping off around the 30 to 35 minute mark. So that tells us that's the attention span. So I think that's one shift is short and sweet. But I still see webinars doing really well. Interesting. Yeah, I see people online saying, oh, webinars don't work anymore, but presentations have worked thousands of years. I'm still signing up. You're still signing up, right? So it still works. Yeah, I think from my perspective, it's harder to get me to sign up for a webinar these days. But if you make the right promise, I will be there. Yeah. And I have mixed feelings on will there be a replay because there's the I'm not going to send it because I want to get people to attend. And then there's the camp that are like, oh, no, you know, we need to send a replay. I go back and forth. For me personally, rarely will I be able to make the time of a webinar. I'm banking on the replay. So I think sometimes we hurt ourselves if we don't give a replay. That said, I think it's good to put a time limit on it. I think people still need some type of push, right? But I think there can be a combination of how to still have that time-sensitive call to action, but let people have the replay. Yeah, absolutely. The number of things that I have said I'll do one day and then forgot about promptly. Like I have so many things in all these folders, right? Webinars I need to watch and this and that. But if we don't have that urgency, it's never going to get done. Absolutely. So if you wanted to talk shop about anything um, going on with the customer journeys with your own business, with your clients' businesses and brainstorming ways to improve those. Yeah. You know, for me, I'm always asked, speaking of funnels, how many emails do you send? So I'll be open. So for we have a quiz and our quiz funnel doesn't convert like we would like it to. And so we're trying to determine, is it that a quiz is more of a fun thing. People just want to take it to learn more about themselves and then to get them to actually convert or buy something is a bit harder. Is it that our sequence is too much of a nurture? So right now we've got three emails, I believe, when they come in and they get the results and then they start with the indoctrination series. And I'm wondering, do we have too much of that? Like, do people not really care? What are you saying? Do they not really care? It used to be educate people on who you're learning from. Why should I listen to you, right? But are we spanning that out too long and losing our interest? That's a really good question. So I ran cold traffic to a quiz that was profitable. I think we brought in like 20 thousand people. And it was basically the quiz questions. They got one of five different types. And then the page right after they took the quiz was like, hey, because you're XYZ, I think this program would be really good for you. And it was a $97 course. And that sold really well. In terms of making a quiz work, quizzes are so powerful because you get the chance to diagnose their problem and then prescribe the perfect solution for them. So if you make that offer right away and then have a sales sequence off the back of that, it's super powerful. In terms of your question about why learn from these people, I go back to Donald Miller's story brand framework. His point about you are not the hero, you are the guide. 
And so whenever I see clients or see people out there talking too much about themselves as the hero, that's where I get concerned. You just have to establish that you know what you're talking about, you're the right guide for them, and that's where a kind of a personality match comes into play. And then you got to switch right back to you, but you, you, you and your journey. Yes. Okay. Thank you for confirming that because I think that might be where we're missing is we've got, it was five to nurture, but I've cut it back to three and I'm thinking maybe we just can condense all of this into one email you want to learn from them. Here's why, here's what they've accomplished. And that's it. Like it's just one email. And my idea was backing up each type on why they need that program. So not a general email that we put in each outcome, but it sounds like you're saying as well, like speak their language for their outcome. And so each email is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. With the quizzes I've done, we find their, their number one challenge and then we just speak to that. What is that burning pain point for them and make sure that we're talking to that specifically? Yeah, I think that's the key. We lumped them all into just one follow-up, but I think we're missing out by not continuing to speak to their outcome type throughout that funnel. So yeah, those are some good thoughts. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. I might ask you the same thing. What are you seeing people doing that they're having success with? Definitely low ticket if you're doing cold traffic, making sure that you have optimized order bumps, upsells, increase the average order value and pay for that traffic as soon as you can. Other than that, webinars, but webinars are harder than ever. People went through the pandemic and got used to online training and they're still consuming those things. But I think it's a combination of they've seen a lot of the promises and they are watching YouTube videos and YouTube video creators have gotten crazy good. Like you are competing with, in my world, I like Mr. Beast, but like those creators who are smart, they have great editing, like you're competing with them. Yeah, you're right. And it's free. Like not that your webinar isn't free, but I think people know the game. Like, oh, they're just going to sell me on something. It used to just be like us, those who build it, we know, right? Of course, they're going to make an offer at the end of the webinar. But I think now everybody else has picked up on the flow. Back really quick. So with order bumps, are you seeing a specific dollar amount work really well? 47 or lower usually is like the sweet spot where it's just an easy, oh, I want that. Click the button, click the checkbox and, and add it. I've seen some examples online where they're doing, you know, 67, 77 for the order bump. I don't think I've ever seen an order bump that was more than a hundred. I've got a client who's got one to add a partner and it's 690 and we don't get anybody. I have always been taught that the order bump is like you're at the grocery store and it's the stuff on the side, right? The candy bars, the chapstick, the phone charger and the stuff that's like a no brainer that you just throw on. So I think you're right. I think it's still 49, 47 and below. I think the upsell page is more for those higher priced things. But I think that order bump, I would tell my clients, it needs to be, they really need to save money. Like you're not going to see this again. Really discount it. Make it be so irresistible. But again, like you said, it's increasing the spend of customers and the more we can get them to buy, likely it's going to be easy for them to convert and buy more from us. It just has to be so cheap and simple and easy to just click to add it. Speaking of pricing psychology, do you have any thoughts on pricing as far as ending in nines or sevens? I follow a few people who explore this in a lot more depth than I have time for. And it's kind of split. If you're really high end, then you want to do flat pricing. Seven is to make it seem cheaper. The psychology of buying is very interesting to me. One of the things I heard also is everybody is now so programmed these days to buy on Amazon. So using the Amazon button color. 
it's amazing just learning a little bit of insight and, and it can make a difference. You know what I saw somebody use today in an email, Bobby, is, you know, when you're on Amazon and there's that coupon, there's like a box. Have you ever seen that when you want to buy something and it's on, they actually put that in their email, very similar graphic that looked just like the Amazon click to add 15%. And it got me, it did get me to look into it more. So it's funny how Amazon is pre-programming us. <laughs> it, really, it really is. But now I really want to try that. Yep. If that's what they did, it was funny. I think that's all I had for you. That was very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Let me, yeah. Let me know how it goes. So where can people find you online to learn more about you and your company? Yeah. So we're just at smart2finish.com. And is there any kind of final notes or anything you want to leave our listeners with? Oh gosh. I think just like what we were talking about, just be open. I'm going to ask people to go beyond their comfort level and look at who they're sending to. I think that's my big takeaway is just really educating everybody on why it's so important to be sending to our engaged list and keep your list clean and try it for a month, see how your results are. But it's not anymore whether people were open or click, it's whether you're going to show up in their inbox at all. So I think we need to start really taking it more seriously. Hey, it's Bobby again. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Experts Roadmap. You can find the show notes for this episode by going to theexpertsroadmap.co. Again, that's theexpertsroadmap.co. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear from you. The best way you can show your support is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for being here. I'll see you next time.